Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to this episode of the Life with a Why interview series podcast. This is the interview series where we find out why people do what they do, and this is the third part of a three-part deep dive into the life of Gabrielle Blackwell. Today's conversation centers around the theme of spirituality and religion, lack thereof, and how that can have an impact on your life and other people's lives. What we learn today is Gabrielle has had a sense of religion and spirituality about her from from a very young age, but that has changed. The definition of that has changed as she's gone on in her life. Her very first description of herself in episode one was a quote-unquote hippie witch. Today, I ask her about that, how what that means, and what impact her spirituality has had on her life. Not only that, but later on in the episode, towards the end, I ask her a question that I asked her in episode one. And what's really important is that she gives a different answer this time. And I think that that's really interesting. So, with that being said, welcome to the podcast, welcome to the episode, and let's crack into the very last conversation we have with Gabrielle Blackwell. Gabrielle Blackwell, welcome back to level three. Gabrielle Blackwell, welcome back to the third one. Welcome back to, yeah, level three. Um, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm all good. It's been it's been a little while since we were uh, since we were chatting. Um, we've a lot to get through today. There have been things that have been happening, particularly what happened after we 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 talked on on Monday that I'd love to to dive into. Um, but overall, things are going well on your end. Overall, they're going very well. Thank you. Good. Yeah. What about you? Oh yeah, all good. Living living the life. I move to London tomorrow. So then uh, life just uh, life just blows up tomorrow, but that's okay. Um, my mind gets blown and so does my bank account, but such, <laughs> such is the cost of immigrating. Um, right, well, it, again, uh, disclaimer, anybody who is listening to this episode and has not listened to episodes number one and two uh, of, of Gabrielle, you need to stop here and you need to go back. Um, we've talked about quite a few things today. It's very much a continuation conversation. And if you don't have the context, whilst I'm sure that the, the wisdom and the insights are going to be just as useful, the context is slightly more useful. Um, but today we're going to chat about your life with a why, but based on your current life. Last week, we talked about the why you did what you did before your quote unquote breakdown. Um, mm-hmm. What drove you to that? Why you were in this sort of cycle? Um, in episode one, we talked about the actual breakdown itself. Um, and today I'd love to chat about why you do what you do now, because there seems to be a very different, there seems to be a very clear divide. So in order to provide context for that, what's your life been like since the breakdown? What's your life been like since you turned 27? Ooh, what has my life been like? Honestly, overall, it's been it's been on an upward swing. Um, I know, like right after the ba- breakdown, there was the experience of like, who am I really? What do I really care about? What am I interested in? Um, so it was very much like starting off with a blank canvas. And uh, I took a year off of work, about a year and a half. I didn't work, and I moved out to New York City. I 
lived a whole a whole eat pray love experience where my soul i think purpose the like the thing that was guiding me was i need to learn more about myself i need to learn about how do i cope how do i how do i feel i need to embrace my emotions i can't just stifle them down and so um i think more than anything else i was just gaining awareness of myself so since then i'm honestly just better able to to navigate whatever situations come my way prior to the breakdown i think if there was an experience that i was having that was rather negative or pretty adverse i might internalize that right going back to that belief set of oh i am bad i am not good enough right there's something that's wrong with me inherently versus it being all right i have awareness of what that belief set drove me to do and the kinds of places that it kept me in and now i have the awareness to go i know if i keep this belief set i'll just keep on reliving this life over and over again and so i choose something different so i think having honestly like what it's been like is having the opportunity to always have a choice no matter what so even if something is terrible absolutely horrendous i can take a moment and go this is not great i don't want to experience things that are not great i choose to go to things that are great so what's required of me in this next step in my path to greatness so like i don't know like how we describe that situation other than like empowered but i feel very very much empowered in in whatever i do versus feeling powerless so you're more empowered now because you said that you needed to learn more about yourself so mm-hmm. what did you not know about yourself what what questions were you not asking yourself before now what were you not tuned into what was not important enough to to think about that's really important now yeah so i i grew up in an environment so um okay so like you know i african american woman growing up with a single black mom and if you have any black listeners people with black moms or black families i feel like could probably attest to there might not always be a lot of room and space for emotions right i would imagine it's not just like black families by the way right but like there is there's not always a lot of room for emotions there's not always a lot of room for choices it's like you just do as you're told to do the end um and then whatever whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger no pain no gain so and the way that i would have internalized that as a kid would be all right even if i'm in pain i can't i can't hold that i can never say i'm hurting i'm sad i can't ever hold space for my emotions and so then i just push them down i never actually deal with them but then it doesn't mean they go away it just means that like over the course of time i can only hold in so much before you, i reach a boiling point i think that's really what the breakdown was was it there was this moment where i'm like all right i've reached full capacity of what i can keep down and then everything spilled out the benefit of that breakdown was i got to see everything at at uh at 27 years old i got to see everything i could make sense even though i was in a totally different state i could make sense out of oh it makes a lot of sense why i am the like not just the why i am the way that i am but like why i seem to have the experiences that i have why i i had an eating disorder for 10 years like it made a lot of sense why i had an eating disorder all of a sudden when prior to this breakdown i couldn't have like what's wrong with me so it wasn't a matter of what's wrong with me it was more so wow there were all these experiences that happened and i was just really deeply sad 
and I didn't hold, I couldn't, I couldn't accept that sadness. And I tried to convince myself or tried to, or allowed people to convince me that I shouldn't be sad when I had every single right to do that and to feel that. And so, so now um, it was funny. My mom and I, we kind of got into an argument over the weekend because I'm kind of dealing with a somewhat stressful situation. And my mom was like, just be positive, just be positive. And I was like, no, right. I was like, no, I was like this, I was like, this is a sucky situation and I have feelings about it and I am not going to deny my feelings. And just because it sucks right now, doesn't mean that it's always going to suck. So like, let me just tune into what I'm feeling right now. So like, that was, that's like one thing, which is like me being curious about my emotions. Like, how am I feeling? I would not ask myself that question. I think there's another piece to this. The next piece is when I'm in a certain emotion, the next question I'll ask myself is, where am I? Am I feeling, is this a trigger from the past? Is this something that's triggering like a past emotion? And like, can I go back to that place with the wisdom and the awareness that I have now and go, all right, if I can help myself heal from the past, like some inner child work, right? Then I will help myself heal in this moment as well. So I think those are probably the main two questions I wasn't asking myself in the past, which is how do I, how am I feeling and where am I? Out of interest, were your negative emotions perceived as negative things? Yeah, I, there's a, the negative emotions, there's me being a door. I'm like these lower frequency emotions, right? These lower (laughs) vibrations. So, um, you know, there's, so, and uh, there's, I'll I'll send you an image because when I talk about this, like lower vibration emotions, there's these ones that they just don't, they don't, um, they don't vibrate at a high frequency. They're dense. Okay. Heavy, like shame, for example, is super dense while on the very high side is where you kind of have like the joy and gratitude and that state of abundance right where you feel super connected to everything versus feeling like dark and sunken down but yeah there's i think there is the oh you're not happy there's something wrong with you a hundred percent um is it still that way uh for you oh uh, this is this is not an external for me for me Oh, no, for me, no. So there's, yeah. So like for me, no, there is, I'm curious, right? I'm like, okay, how am I feeling? Might be like, where, when I say like, where am I? I'm just like, I'm like, am I like scattered? Am I somewhere else? Am I not accepting this feeling right now? Am I trying to run away from it? Or am I really, really present? And I had this one therapist and she was, um, she would ask me the question, like if I had this emotion, it was really the first time that I did true emotional work. There was an emotion, she, she would ask me questions of, okay, like, uh, you know, like we would do a breathing exercise and then um, and we would talk about something that happened in my past. And she's like, all right, now I want you to locate where this memory lives in your body. So I'd do my breathing exercise. So maybe it lived in, like, maybe it lived on my, like on my chest. Maybe it lived like where my spleen is, that kind of thing. She's like, now I want you to like breathe into it. Now, what kind of sound does it make? Okay, so I did this in my year off where I would, so I was getting really curious about my emotions and I wanted, it wasn't a matter of like, I want to make like logical sense out of them, but I wanted to build a relationship with my emotions is very much like if I can understand the intricacies and the nuances and the subtleties 
uh, and, and the needs and the desires of my emotions, then I could better interact with them and they could better interact with me and we could live harmoniously. Right. So I would actually like, I would, I would, um, I would write down an emotion, for example, like, um, and it wasn't necessarily an emotion, but, uh, if someone were to say, Hey, like, how are you, Gabrielle? And I would say, Oh, I'm fine. I'm like, well, what if I'm like, so first, if someone goes, I'm fine, I'm like, who is fine, right? Like, what does that mean? Like, what is the life of someone like of, so just imagine fine as a person. And so that I, so I would create these stories of like, based off of how to answer these questions and how I was feeling. And there's times where there's certain emotions or certain states, like being vulnerable, um, that was scary. So I, I'm like, you're right. I, I would create a character that was vulnerable, right? I was like, I'm like, oh, vulnerable is that woman at the party who kind of is like a little bit of the wallflower. She's looking at everybody, you know, you, you kind of want to approach her, but you kind of, you kind of don't, you don't know, like, is she, like, can you be friends? Can you not? Is she a bitch? I don't know. Right. So, um, so I would, yeah, so I would create these characters to make my emotions that much more approachable for myself. And so I'm like, all right, if I can help myself kind of build a relationship up in that way, if I can essentially create some intimacy with my own emotions, then I can understand myself a little bit more, or I can allow myself the experience of really living with these emotions. So, so that yeah. was an exercise that I went through. That was a full on exercise that I went through. Yes. It's, it's, it sounds like your new, as we've already discovered, your new why is more so understanding yourself. Um, your Why you do what you do seems to be, uh, and uh, everything seems to be an experiment as to how do I respond when I do this, when I'm in this, when I have this. So that brings me on to another thing I wanted to talk about today. What impact has this magic with a K, the spirituality, all of these things? And actually, coming back to what I said at the, at, the, at, the, at the top of this, I know that after our first, after our call, our last session, you went for a tarot reading. Um, yes. So, what extent does that have on your on your life? What what impact does that have? Yeah. So, and how did you um, get into this? Because this is a world I have no idea yeah, as to how it works. I'll, Okay, so here's here's how I uh, I'll I'll tell you the story of how I got into this. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, so there's going to be the story of how I got into it, and then I think there's also going to be um, it's a it's a conversation about faith more than anything else. So it's actually they're they're intertwined, right? The two things are very much intertwined. So I grew up in a very very strong Christian tradition, right? My my mom freaking loves the church. She loves herself some Jesus. And, um, and I was in schools where I went to really conservative Christian schools growing up, a Lutheran school up until I went to public school um, for high school. And it was never anything that actually fit me, right? My mom, like I see my mom, I feel like my mom is wired to be a Christian. And I am like the absolute opposite. <laughs> so I was like, I think I'm, a, me personally, I think I'm allergic. So I, so, but nonetheless, growing up in the household that I grew up in, growing up in kind of the, the, the culture that I grew up in, there was zero room, zero room to talk about, I don't, I don't vibe with this. I don't agree with this. So I remember growing up fight at 10 years old, fighting with my mom about, I don't want to go to church. So, um, when I, so growing up, I think there was this piece of, all right, 
trying to fight this battle of being very honest about what I what I believe and what I see as true. Um, I'm like, it's not worth it because I just don't feel like fighting with my mom all the time. And I was also in an environment where there wasn't really anybody else who was like me in that belief set. So I probably just swallowed like, like whatever it was that I was like, whatever it was that I really believed. And I go, fine. Like I have to, I have to do this thing. I have to believe in God. I have to be a Christian. I have to read the Bible. And like, this is how I'm going to find salvation. Like that's going to be my one way of doing things. When I had my, when I had my breakdown, I think I had this experience that was like unlike anything. Well, one, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before, but it came with it, this really interesting experience of feeling connected to pretty much anything and everything. Um, I felt like I was being guided by something. I felt like I wasn't alone in the whole thing. Like I knew that something was wrong, but I also kind of had this reminder of like, it will stop right? Like just do this, like, like just work through whatever you need to work through right now and know that it will stop. And so the experience that I had, like, like that, that kind of experience was like, wait a minute, no one's talking about this in, in church. No, like, I'm not seeing this in the Bible, right? Like when I'm praying, I don't feel that connection. So maybe this belief set that I grew up with is not the belief set that's actually going to get me to that point that my mom's getting. Like my mom's like, oh, I feel so connected. I don't worry. I have no concerns, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't get that in the same way that you do, but that doesn't mean that I can't get that. So when I came out of my breakdown or I came out of that time, uh, funny enough, my mom was actually, I was living in Portland, Oregon, and my mom was there uh, as well. And so she, she went to go get a massage at this one place down the street from where I lived. And, uh, and so when she came back to my apartment, she's like, oh, Gabrielle, you should go check out this place. I'd walked past this, this store a thousand times and never actually walked inside. So I went in and I, I, I did not, I don't think I even got a massage, right? I think this guy, he like, I think he recognized like my energy or my aura. And he did this really, in I think he did Reiki like that. I didn't realize he was doing Reiki at the time, but he started like, I remember he just kind of had his hands. Uh, it, he didn't touch me, but it was like hovering over my body and like, he was like breathing and he would like blow on things. And, um, and I could feel this like release. Like, it's like, there was like this blockage that I had. And I felt this release. And I was like, that's really interesting. <laughs> like, what is he, what is this man doing? And then he also, he just kept on talking about things in the terms of energies. And then he also gave me a, like a few crystal or a few crystals and stones. Um, so like it was like a lepidolite and uh, oh, it was what a black obsidian. I think there was like one more, an amethyst crystal as well. So I, I knew nothing about these things, but I had these stones. So, um, so I, I, so I have that experience. I have the experience of what I'll just say, like, completely losing the faith system that I grew up with or completely abandoning it. And so when I moved to New York and I was getting really curious about things, uh, curious about myself and also wanting to heal from what had happened um, and also going through the traditional methods of healing, such as getting like a therapist or a counselor and recognizing, I was like, every time I talk about what happened, I feel like I'm crumbling. Like, it, I was like, it's too, it's too close. It's too present. It's too real. And so I need to find a way to heal that doesn't require me to talk. So there's all these, there's all these things that are happening kind of all at once, which is 
losing my, like, kind of like losing, abandoning my faith or becoming aware of, or holding, it's not even losing the faith system. It's I abandoned what I knew to be true for myself, for other people to fit in. I paid the price of just trying to fit in while abandoning myself. And so then I'm like reclaiming myself. And part of that was faith system. Um, then there's, or lack thereof, right. Of the way that I knew it, then there was this introduction of little tiny things, little seeds that got planted, such as the Reiki and the crystals. And there was also this way that I knew this modality that I knew to go to, to heal, which was counseling and therapy talking that was no longer like actually getting me to where I wanted to be. So then I had to think about, all right, again, what kind of modalities of healing don't require any talking? And Reiki was one of them. So I went to a Reiki master and he and he and I would chit chat and he would talk about auras and he would have his incense going. Um, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is curious. And then I'm also in New York City. I'm not working. I want to explore the city. And the way I explored the city was through bookstores. So I would just jump from one bookstore to the next. And I, I end up in a metaphysical bookstore where they have they have tech, so they have Bibles next to the Quran, next to tarot cards. And I'm like, this was like and it's, a, it's an explosion of life where everything can coexist and they have crystals there as well. So I, I, I would end up going to that store. Like that was kind of like my sanctuary. And I would talk to the people who worked there and I would talk about the crystals and I would talk about angel guides and things like that. And I was like, this is so interesting. So for me, I feel like I, like that to me was like a toy store or the candy store where I'm like, I can go in and I can find out all these different things. Um, and there was, there was different, uh, there was different tools, right? I talk about the crystals, but also I talk about the tarot cards. So for me, as I'm thinking about, all right, who am I? What am I interested in? What, are, like, what do I need to become more aware of? I was also using these tarot cards to help me in with that conversation. So if each tarot card represents some kind of archetypal experience that everybody in humanity is going to experience. And I go, all right, I just had this experience. What do I need to know about it? And I draw a card. It's not giving me the answers, but it can give me some perspective as to how to look at the situation. So like, so for me, I was like, oh, wow, these are not, it's not just tarot cards for the sake of tarot cards, but it's, it's a perspective that I can use to have a better and potentially more comprehensive or much more authentic and true interpretation of what my experience is versus this is no no shade to anybody who go does go to church but I would go to church and the experience that I would have is this is how you live your life because so and so said so the end the tarot cards or the runes or the oracle or whatever else is like hey here's a few words it's almost it's very poetic here are a few words use your intuition use that feminine amorphous side of you that creative side, the illogical side to be able to come up with your own meaning. And I think that, that that's the piece to me that I, I get back to like the empowering side of things. I went, on, I went all over the place. That is a-okay. So with the magic side of things, it's almost like that has become the faith element of your life, but you're no longer believing in an external factor. It's helping you to believe in yourself. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a, the magic with a K. I mean, you talk about, it's like esoteric, it's the occult, right? It's, it's the pagan, whatever you okay, want. Okay, so right? when you're saying esoteric and occult yeah. and pagan, I'm getting like, 
I'm getting pentagram summoning demons. Like what what is actually going on here? Because that's that's an image that Hollywood will have given us. What does it look yeah. like from, from your perspective? Because if you're summoning demons, great. Let me know. Um, please don't put the next one in the White House. It's all, like, no, you know, I think it's all interpretation, right? I think the way I, I go back to this, like good, it's like good, bad, negative, positive. What what it helps me do is to come at it at an absolute, right? Like in math, for example, absolutes. If you put in a positive, it's still a positive. If you put in a negative, it's still a positive, right? It just, it is, period. I think that's what I get is whatever is going on, just, it is. It doesn't, I don't have to make it a judgment about it. I don't have to like internalize it. I'm and so, from oh. that place, uh -huh. I could like, I feel like I'm, I have better choices. I have options. I have agency in it. Well, I'm also wondering about the practical elements. So, so when you're like the tarot cards, for example, like I think a lot of this is it's ritual more than anything else. So like I give the example of my mom um, and like saying we don't see eye to eye on the practices and on the rituals. Um, and like what she gets from her connection with God is what I would say, all right, I feel like I'm connected to everything. So ritual, same like, results. It's it's yeah, it's like it's just a different how, right? But like I don't I I, I don't see when I think of when I perceive of God, like it doesn't well, number one, it doesn't resonate with me because I've I've had so many experiences in places where like, you know, we talk about God so much. But I'm, these are also the kinds of places that were highly oppressive mm. to me personally. So mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I was like, I was like, I, so I'm like, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm not saying that God doesn't exist. I'm not saying that people shouldn't believe in God. And the language of my faith system, right, or my belief system is it's not even really a system, it's chaos. But like the way that I feel most comfortable um, engaging with all that is around me is to go, I really do believe that there is something way, way bigger than me who is, this is something my grandma told me. My grandma was like years ago, my grandma was like, Gabrielle, honestly, it doesn't matter what you believe in. It just matters that you believe in something way bigger than yourself. Um, and that, that, that thing that's way bigger than yourself has your back. Right. She's like, just whatever that is. So, you know, if you're re like reading the alchemist <laughs> and it's like, Hey, the universe conspires for your favor. Like that to me, is something where I feel like I can use that phrase. It doesn't trigger any kind of religious persecution for anyone else. And it's just, it's more, it's more abstract. It's more universal, honestly. And so I think that that's the piece to me where you have these magic with a K to me, it's, it's ancient, right? So it's not, but it's not just tarot cards and rune readings. It's also might be me studying uh, Greek mythology as well, or, um, or Egyptian mythology and those kind of practices. Or, so for me, I'm like, these are like much in the same way that Christians would read the Bible and say, all right, this text has been around for forever. And I go, this is another ancient text that has so many lessons in it that anybody can benefit from, but we have to interpret it for our times. We can't just take it as law at the end or say that it's better than or worse than anything else. So for me, it's not just, it's not to say like, oh, hey, like I, I only believe in magic with a K. And what I, what I, when I study it, it's like, this is something, here's yet another ancient text. Here's yet another ancient practice that has resonated 
like it's it's um what's the word that i want to use it just transcends time right and that to me is really interesting is like when you can have all these different practices all these different kind of philosophies and belief systems and things like that and you can kind of pick and choose and come up with your own your own thing See, this is really interesting um because it's a world i've never i've never i never would have been exposed to had we not had this conversation um mm. religion when used i want to say this word correctly um can be a massive force for good for others you know like even taking so i grew up in ireland uh taking the catholic religion um a lot of problems in the church as a whole and in those institutions however nuns ran schools nuns ran hospitals and things like that i'm not going to say that there were not issues with that however those were more so issues with the people rather than the institutions themselves um oh i'm going to get cancelled for that one um <laughs> but uh, one of the one of the elements that i've kind of learned from that is an, a big element of that has been an emphasis on helping others yeah to what extent has this your newfound spirituality had on you being able to help others particularly in your job as a leader because yeah. i feel like on the empathy side I, of things it might yeah yeah big time so let me let me back it up i'm gonna say very simply here's what i got that i didn't maybe that i didn't get when i was growing up in the more traditional belief sets right um in the traditions there were it's very it was very rigid very very clear of what you can and what you cannot do and there were a lot of they're like and there are roles especially for women and i was like i don't agree and so it, it, for me it's not to say that that place was good or bad and for me i was like it wasn't this is not this is not me being authentic and true and what I, so I can sit around at church all day long. And this is actually an experience that I had where I was like, yo, these people are wired for this. They, they love this. And I'm very much aware that I don't. So, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not experiencing what they're experiencing. I'm not seeing what they're seeing. Like I, I felt like a, like a fish out of water. And, and so, I, and I, I'm trying to think about like, I don't even know why that is, but what I do know when I started to look at other methods of connecting, I'm just going to bring it down to connecting, right. And having community and, and, um, yeah, it's very much just belonging and feeling included, right. Like going into these places, feeling like I'm like, I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be able to be myself. I know this is not the same, but I think about, right. It's like the, the analogy would be, um, you know, like if a friend of mine or my cousin like coming out as gay for example right it's like all right hey like there are these there are these norms and then you have somebody who steps away from that and it's like okay will people accept me will they not um but i know that i need to live in my own truth so like number one i'm not going to get persecuted for choosing to not be in a religion so like that's a big old asterisk i'm not making it the same it's not this exact same but like that's the way that i kind of think about things of all right as soon as i said i don't believe in god then it's like what's wrong with you hell there's something wrong so i i think that for me i was like it's very for me it was very judgmental as well like i was like i am not allowed to just be who i am and me being who i am means that i'm all of a sudden a problem or that i'm sick or whatever 
I never experienced that when I was going out and building my own thing for myself. So I didn't have as many rules. I didn't have as many, I didn't have any roles, right? I got to create something that was all my, like, I felt like I was creating something truly, and it was, it was like by me, for me. And so, and with this, I got to learn more about myself. I got to learn what it felt like to be included. I got to learn what it felt like to belong. I got to learn how to do that as well for myself. And so when I think about what that means for me in my role as a leader is I can also recognize what it's like to not belong, right? To not be included and how devastating that can feel, especially when I'm around people where I'm like, I thought they were going to love me, you know? So now I can be a lot more curious because I was curious with myself first. So I like for as I, I can be compassionate towards others because I was compassionate to myself first. So, you know, that the, the me like finding myself, I had, I had all these tools in like, magic with the K or the crystals or the energies or the, or the, you know, learning about chakras and basically finding that I'm going to go on another tangent, but like finding all these different resources that I could tap into to help myself develop into like a better me where better me looks like I can hold more space for myself. I can be more compassionate for myself. I can be true. So, I can do that for others as well. This magic, the spirituality element of your life really feeds into your why because it gives you all of these different tools all of these different structures all of these different templates to find out who you are and what you like yeah so i have this um i pulled my my strengths um from gallup the clifton strengths thing strengths finder nope oh your strengths yes all my strengths yeah so I, i pulled my report um and the things that I, uh, so that, like my, my number one strength is ideation. I'm fascinated by ideas. Just fascinated. Um, there's the, uh, there's the learner, which is my third top strength, which is there's, I, the process of learning excites me. So like the fact that I can go, so like growing up in a Christian household, it was like a sin to go and learn these other things right? It's like, no, focus on this one thing. So if I think about who I am as a person and the kinds of uh, places or influences that were around me, these were not influences that really enabled me to leverage my strengths, which is probably why I didn't feel very good in those places. It didn't suit me. It didn't fit me. So this, so again, I know what it's like, me personally, I know what it's like to be told to be a certain way, to live a certain way, to think a certain way, to be a certain way, and to hate myself for it all the way while everyone else loves this version of me that I hate. Ew. So I'm like, I'm not going to subject other people to that experience. I'm going to get curious about them. How do they see themselves? Like, so even with my reps and I learned this from, um, from someone named, uh, I'm sure people know, I learned this from Kevin Dorsey. He's like, Hey, ask your people. Number one, like, do they want you to have high expectations of them, right? So you don't just come in and assume, number one. So like I, I've learned to just not assume that people are the way that I am or that they want to live in the way that I do. So I can come with a lot more curiosity. A really easy way to show this in a sales role is, hey, what kind of performer do you want to be? Do you want to be somebody who's like 
doing just enough to get by kind of 80%? Do you want to land right at 100%? Right? Like, hey, listen, I just want to make my OTE and go home. This is a job. Leave me alone. Do you want to be like someone who's just over? Cool. Or do you want to be a high flyer? Do you want to be number one breaking records? And I go, doesn't matter what you tell me, I will support you unless you tell me that you want to be under 100%. Right? So I was like, I'm going to push you on that one. But I was like, if you want to be just at a hundred, I said, just, but if you want to land right at a hundred percent and do your job, right. And just get better along the way and see what happens. I'm going to support you in that. There's, there's no problem. I think we can come like, so that's, but if I'm always expecting for people to go, oh, so like my number two strength is achiever. I want to be the person who's breaking records. So, uh, but if I were to show up in that way with each one of my people, I'd probably string, like I would just string them out. I'd burn them out. So I have to go, okay, well, what does achievement look like in this role for me or success look like for me? How can I leverage my strength of achievement in my role is I, I much more care about how are people feeling? How, like, do they feel confident and comfortable in the role? If they, cause if they can do that, they can learn how to get better, right? Am I building really solid relationships? Am I connecting deeply with people? Do they trust me, right? If they do, all right, I feel really good and they'll, they'll get to a level of achievement. Are we progressing along the way in measurable ways? If we're doing that, that to me is achievement, right? And, and, I've, and, I've, and I've done, and I've also been able to make this work meaningful for myself. This is kind of gets to my why, which is, I know what it's like to not feel accepted, to not feel like I belong, to feel as though I'm the outcast. And I never want to be the person who perpetuates that to other people. So I want to like, I like, I want to completely just like that's that's part of my why, right? Is people feel confident and comfortable in their role. They feel as though I have their back, that I care for them, and that no matter what, mm-hmm. I'm invested in them personally. Doesn't matter what they do, right? It's unconditional love in that in that regard. So I think a lot of that had to do first with I had to show myself that unconditional love i had to learn how to how to mm. give unconditional love to myself and then once i once i filled up my cup then i can pour into others that makes a lot of okay. sense and so um, the safe system is what what keeps my cup full now that i have that right doesn't matter what's going on of course it'd be great if everything was great and it was just full in abundance at all times but that's not always how life goes so i can always that's even what led me to go do my rune tarot card reading was, wow, I had to take a moment and go, my cup is not full and I want to pour into my people. And I know that if I don't go and fill my cup, I won't be able to do what I need to do with my, with my, with my people. So let me go fill my cup up in the way that I know how to best. That's the most effective way of filling my cup. It's the cleanest way of filling my cup. And now I'm going to come back refreshed and we're going to get this work. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's actually a very interesting way of doing it. Um, this is the element of you that allows you to be a, a the best version or, or a version of the best version of you. Um, yeah. And that it, it is one of the many tools that you'll, that you'll use for that. Um, yeah. We have talked about faith quite a bit today. Um, there's a question that I wanted to ask you about. Um, and I feel like I, I genuinely don't know what the answer to this might be, but 
everybody that will have listened to these episodes, uh, I mean, episode two was probably about two hours long. So they're about three and a half hours in at this stage to you yes. and, and and your life. Um, at that, people should have a sense of you as somebody happy, curious, caring. I think kind will be one of the words. But what don't people know about you? So uh, what is what is something that you wish people knew that people don't know? I... Did I ask you this in, in episode number one? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I, I, gonna, I don't think bit. you did. Okay. I'm okay. just thinking because... Uh, I used to say, I've, I've answered, other folks have asked me this question. Um, and my answer has been that I'm really sensitive, super sensitive. Um, I, and, and, and here's, here's like kind of the context of it. I, I've, uh, maybe did we, I don't think we talked about this, but all right, I'm a, I'm almost six feet tall. Uh, yeah, very tall. Um, uh, I can, I can be, actually, I think this is the piece. I think people think that I am like super extroverted. Um, when I'm like, I'm just extroverted when I need to be, I'm a much more introspective. And I think that's where the sensitivity piece comes in. So I can definitely like when I need to be on, I'm on and it takes a like, but it takes a lot for me to charge up, to be on in that way. So why this is important, why I even say this, why I think I wish people, why more folks knew that, especially, especially if people that I interact with quite a bit is if someone goes, oh, here's Gabrielle. Uh, she's got a brand, she's got the success, she's sharing all these things, right? And this is not just in my professional life. It's been, it's been my whole entire life They go, oh, you know, I can be tough on her. When I'm like, actually, that's probably the worst thing <laughs> for me. I'm like, no, please. Like, I was like, I'm like, I, cause I'm already going to beat myself up. Right. I don't need somebody to come in. And cause then I have to, I'm much better at this now where in the past, if I already thought, oh, wow, like I'm bad. And someone comes in, they're like, you fucking suck. And they think that that's, what's going to wake me up. Like that's their motivation tactic. Then, then I'm like, Oh no, it's true. Right. Like, um, versus, and so now, but like now I, it doesn't mean that I'm immune to, Oh, Hey GB, you suck. It's more like, all right, that's like a, that's a trigger for me. And so I find myself having to like spend a lot of time recalibrating. And I think about what that means, let's say for the workplace, for example, if it's, um, this has happened in the past where let's say it's a boss who is just reaming on me. And I had, and, and um, actually this was a basketball coach where he was reaming on me in a game. And I remember, I think he like saw that I just kind of had this glazed over deer and headlights look. And he goes, prove me wrong. I'm trying to motivate you. And I was like, wow, I would have never known. <laughs> so oh, and I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, I suck. This is me terrible. And I got to get on the court. Now I'm, I'm super in my head. So that can show up at the workplace as well. So when people try and come in with a super tough, quote unquote, tough love for me, it does. It's, it's much more distracting for me personally, versus if you went in and said, 
hey, listen, I want to get curious about what you're doing. Allow me the opportunity to be vulnerable as well. Um, I'll listen, things like that. But yeah, if you, if you just come in hot, super hot, most of the time I, I'm like, I'm just going to have to sit in child's pose for 30 minutes before I get back to work. So what I'm hearing is what you wish people knew about you is that you've got a, uh, you can be perceived as having a tough exterior. Whereas, mm -hmm. so if people respond to that perceived tough exterior, they can have a very detrimental effect, not necessarily on you, but on the relationship between you. Oh, big time. Yeah, because I'm like, I feel like you don't see me. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And then, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, really and it, it's interesting how it goes from being <laughs> sensitive to not mm -hmm. necessarily being sensitive, but more so the external does not match the internal. Um, yeah, really. Yeah, big time. But again, I would never have considered you as somebody, you know, as a hard ass, as anything like that. However, we've also talked a lot about a lot. We have talked about a lot, about a lot. Yeah, we've um, built, yeah, we, we've gone on 50 first dates now, okay? <laughs> 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 over, the, over the course of these times, yeah. No, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm like two steps away from meeting your family right now. We know right. each other. <laughs> well, then the, the last, okay, well, then my last first date question for you um, will be because <laughs> this is a, this is actually, actually, you know what? If anybody is listening to this and wants to steal this for a first date, what is your most controversial opinion? The one where you're, where you're like, oh, I don't know if I should share this. Um, what is your most controversial opinion? So yeah, my most controversial opinion is that Chicago has the best food scene in the US and you uh, cannot tell me otherwise. You can't. See, I, have, I have, I can, what am I gonna do with that? You see, like I'm from Ireland, I'm living in the UK. I've visited New York once. That's going to be very controversial to a massive population of people who will not listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but your controversial opinion is that Chicago is the best place in the world for food. Yeah, Chicago. Okay. Yeah, Chicago is dope. I all right. Believe you. Uh, I all right. Uh, I don't know that I have a super controversial opinion. I, you know what? Here's 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 what I think. Here's what I think, and I don't think it's necessarily controversial, and maybe that's why. So I've been reading a lot about servant leadership. I've been talking about this development. You and I have tell, told you about my development binder that I've been creating for the past week or so, and, and a lot of it is based off of strengths. I talked about this with even with my face system. What it's not again, I don't think I don't think it's controversial. I just think it's very matter of fact, which is if you want the best out of people, look at what they already possess that's the best. Rather than trying to harp on these weaknesses and make them feel like crud. So yeah, I that so yeah, that's that's my piece, which is hey, if you're a if you're a person who's in a leadership position, manager, frontline, whatever else it is. And you're trying to figure out, oh man, why don't my people do X, Y, and Z? I would honestly look yourself in the mirror and go, do I actually know what my people's why is? Do I know what their strengths are? Do I know what they actually value? And if you don't know the answers and don't guess, 
if you have never asked your people that question, never take the time or the attention to do so, then I think that's probably why you haven't figured out how to get your people to align to the things that you want to do. Right. You and know, I think, yeah, that that's my piece. I think it makes sense to me that you, after our, all of our conversations, that your most controversial opinion is that if you're a bad leader, stop being a bad leader and actually just ask yeah. people what they care about. Yeah. I think it's one of those things whereby it's 99% make the 1% look bad. It's kind of, that's one of the ways that unfortunately it ends up working no, out. I, I don't think ever, listen, I don't think, I, I don't think everyone is bad. And yeah, there is, I was in this clubhouse room a couple of weeks back and someone had said, Hey, listen, I've, I've got an opinion for you and you're not going to like it. And he goes, all sales managers suck. And I, I swear I melted. I melted. I fell straight through the floor. I was like, no, no, we're not. <laughs> so, but you know, if you take a moment, like I think even I'm, I'm an SDR manager. I, um, I was coaching up SDRs at other organizations uh, through this one company that I was involved with. And and all people, the only thing that people would tell them, tell these SDRs to do was to make more calls. I tried that approach with my people and they damn near revolted. I was about to be Marie Antoinette. Which makes sense. Which makes <laughs> yeah. sense because that so, is uh, that is actually awful sales leadership advice. It, it's uh, not, yeah. So I, I, I think there's this piece of curiosity is underrated in leadership, right? There's this expectation we're supposed to have all the answers. I'm like, no, we're not. For people, no. for people. <laughs> Gabrielle, we've talked an awful lot over the last little while. Um, we've talked about your life now, where it has been, where it's gone to. We've talked about your relationships with your family. We've talked about your relationship with yourself. We've talked about how some have gone up, some have gone down. Um, we've talked about your relationship with partners one in particular but more so the effect that it's had on you rather than relationship itself which I think is quite interesting we've talked about your faith lack thereof and then refinding and the impact that it's had on you and the similarities between that and everything else and we've talked about your rituals your hobbies the main thing that I'm getting out of this is sort of a rebirth style era of your life whereby you were in a space that was not that would that was fine and you could have stayed in for a very long time but you wouldn't have experienced the experiences you're having now you wouldn't have experienced the 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 joy the self-awareness you talk about operating on higher frequencies and now that you're paying attention to it and now that you're actively making it a priority that has been that has been the thing that's made a massive impact on your life um my very last question for you Uh-oh. is there anything we haven't talked about yet anything that people really need to hear from you man I should have brought my tarot cards with me um and drawn a card <laughs> I, love, I, love, I, love, I love how that's your that's your response uh <laughs> I was like, I would have, I would have pulled a card of like, here, here's, here's what to know. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it's more, it's not about what you need to know about me. 
specifically, I hope that after having, assuming that you've listened to all of this, um, I hope the things that stick out or that resonate are, you always have a choice, no matter what. Um, I think there is, this sounds kind of corny, but like you're so much more powerful than maybe you think you are, or you give yourself the ability to be. And um, I don't know, there is, this is, this is the big message. This is what I tell myself a lot. And even, you know, kind of going back to the breakdown, what I remember there was this moment where I allowed myself to break. I made a very conscious decision. I can recall it of, I was like, all right, there's a lot going on and I just have to sit, I have to be okay with letting myself go through the experience of having a lot going on. And what I told myself right before I kind of allowed myself that experience was it will stop. So like no matter what's happening, um, and I think especially during the hard times, to kind of take that moment and go, it, it will stop at some point in time. And so I, I would just say, give yourself permission to, to experience whatever it is that you're experiencing and recognizing that at one point in time, it will stop. You always have a choice for it to get better. And I think there's also this other piece of, and there's also so, so, so many people who are always gonna be rooting for you. So yeah, those are, those are my last three pieces. On that note, thank you very much for, for joining me and for joining us. Um, if people want to hear more about you, you know, where would you like people to go and try and find you if they would like to continue trying to find you? Yes, so the only real way to find me is on LinkedIn. So feel free to find me, Gabrielle, GB, Blackwell on LinkedIn. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Luca, thank you very much for, for joining me. Um, I knew, so when I was doing my research for for this, I when I came across you, your story, the way you talked, I I knew there was a story worth telling, um, and I'm I'm really glad that we got to tell it. Um, looking forward to catching up with you in four years' time when you've got a much different life story and a much different why than what's going on now. <laughs> oh my gosh, having you on the podcast again! This was fun. <laughs> um, right, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us, and I'll catch up with you again soon. All right. Thanks, Brian. And there we have it. The life of Gabrielle Blackwell. I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I first had my first conversation with Gabrielle Blackwell. Over the last three sessions, we talked about everything from spirituality, her childhood, trauma, depression, mental breakdown, rebuilding a life, racism, sexism and hardship and I still interviewed a very happy person and I think that is a testament to Gabrielle herself but it's a pattern that I've seen over this entire season it seems that the people that I've interviewed that have had the most hardship are the happiest they are the ones that have gone through the most and have had to actively decide that happiness is a choice. Gabrielle is a shining light of that. She is a true embodiment of the idea that you are a master of your own destiny. Um, and I hate to use words like that, but she, uh, she pulls them out of me. So we will deep dive more into the learnings and the reflections on this season next week 
when I release my solo episode where I can talk to you about my reflections from season one, what went right, what, what didn't, and what you can expect from season two. Until then, let me know if there's anything that I can do for you, and I will chat with you next week. I really hope that after these seasons, after these episodes, you have a better understanding of why you do what you do.